running has changed my life tremendously for the better. I want that for everybody, right? And I just like creating that opportunity, you know, just like that life-changing power of running. It sounds so, but I want everybody to have that. So, you know, all the ideas and trying new things to open that up and, and invite people in, I think is a great idea. Welcome to For the Long Run. We explore the why behind what keeps runners running long, strong, and motivated, and how they've been able to achieve sustainable excellence. From Olympians to ultramarathoners and business owners, from the back of the pack and all the way to the front, we believe in creating community and expanding the running world for all. I'm your host, Jonathan Levitt, and we're so glad you're here. We are proud to announce the newest sponsor of the podcast, Scratch Labs. Scratch Labs is a local Boulder-based sports nutrition brand known not just for their awesome sports nutrition products, but for their love of science and the community. I'll share a bit more about their products and how I use them. But for now, thank you to Scratch for supporting the podcast. Scratch will be a partner of the podcast this summer. And as always, supporting the brands that support the podcast helps to keep this machine rolling. You can use the code FTLR20 for 20% off all Scratch products through their website via the link in the show notes. As a New Englander, I'm always excited to see brands from the area who are doing good in the world and doing good for our running community. That's why we're thrilled to say that this episode is sponsored by Darn Tough, started, manufactured, and headquartered in Vermont. And they're still family-owned, bringing us awesome socks to keep our feet feeling warm and dry. You may know of Darn Tough for their durability and warmth, but did you know that they have a whole line of running socks to keep you staying dry and comfortable for the long run? Darn Tough's running socks are incredibly durable, especially in high-wear areas. They're made with breathable mesh, are ultra lightweight, and they're incredibly comfortable. You might be thinking, aren't their socks made of wool? Won't that be too hot on my feet? Well, it turns out that Merino wool socks are perfect for keeping your feet at the ideal temperature and dry, regardless if you're running in the cold or hot weather. In fancy words, wool helps with thermoregulation. I've been a fan of and running in darn tough socks for years now, and we're stoked to work with them to bring great gear to you too. Get a pair of your own at the link in the show notes and be sure to use the code FTLR-BESTSOCK10 for 10% off. You know that a big part of my life is optimization. I optimize for time, optimize for efficiency, and try to always optimize for my health and training. That's why I'm so excited to welcome our newest brand partner, Tubefore. But what's Tubefore? There's natural sports nutrition supplement made from New Zealand blackcurrant berries. These are the most researched berries in the world, and those studies are showing that these berries have exceptionally high antioxidant levels, and they're proven to enhance athletic performance. That's going to be a hell yes from me. These wonder berries, which is what I'm starting to call them, improve endurance, help kickstart recovery, and strengthen immunity. What athlete doesn't want all of that? So how can you use these in your daily routine? I take a serving before every single run. So go ahead and try out some two before. The code FTLR will save you 30% on 20, 10, and multi-serve packs. And remember that supporting our brand partners helps to support the podcast as well. That's twobefore.com, number twobefore.com, and code FTLR. Hey there. Before we get into this week's interview, I'm going to ask a small favor. If you could go to your podcast app and leave this show a review, it would be so greatly appreciated. The more reviews we have, the more we can expand our show and community to more folks like yourself. Thanks so much for being here. Now, on to the show. And welcome back. I have Christina Henderson joining me from Seattle. Christina, thanks so much for taking some time to chat. Hi, Jonathan. Happy to be here. Awesome. Um, well, the first question is, 
always a tough one on this podcast. Who is Christina? So I've listened enough to know that you're going to ask this. So it led to some self-reflection on my long run this weekend. So thank you. Uh, I'm not sure that I came up with anything profound, but I am many things. Uh, sister, aunt, daughter, partner, friend. And in addition to that, I think running has played a part in just about every aspect of my life that's gotten to me to where I am. And now it's my job. So I feel very lucky in that. Uh, so that's me. And I think more will come out in conversation. For sure. So you mentioned you thought a little bit about this on the run this past weekend. Um, I think anytime we have the ability to like reflect on this type of stuff, whether it's like thinking about how you define yourself and if you lead with yourself as a runner, what happens when you get injured. And these are always good reflections to have for sure. Um, we have a lot of things that I'm curious your thoughts on and your your feedback. Um, but to set the stage, do you remember your first run? Oh, wow. What a question. So I'm not sure that I remember my first run, but I remember running in elementary school. So we can take it all the way back to there and we would run laps you know, around our school and get um, kind of like dots on our hand for every lap. And even then, I wanted to be... I wanted to get the most dots, right? So that's kind of where I started running. I, you know, was the fastest girl in my elementary school. And, you know, that became part of who I was even then. And so going from laps around the elementary school to working and running in 2023, a lot of miles and laps have elapsed over that time. What, what does that journey look like? Yeah, it's, Sometimes I do reflect on my relationship with running and the impact that it has had on my life. You know, I ran competitively in high school and then that led me to college and then grad school for a fifth year and then, you know, into the running event, uh, which I'm sure we'll talk about. Uh, so, you know, it has been with me for so many years and I'm so grateful for that. And and it's something that I believe so strongly in and the impact that, you know, moving your body can have. And so, you know, there are many days where I, I don't want to go running. Like, uh, you know, you, you, you hate it, right? But you do it anyway. And yeah, I'm grateful for it because it, you know, it shapes how I see the world and how I approach just about everything. I love talking to people who work in the space at a higher level and also fit running into their life or attempt to fit running into their life and and unpacking the relationship between those two arenas, right? Running purely for you or for the benefit of those around you, you could say. And then the the running community and the work that you do with the running community. So I'm curious for, for Christina, how does work intersect with your running and we'll eventually get into the opposite but I'm curious on the running side of things first how does, how does that interact so you know I think it does in some ways but in many ways running is still for me and and for you know the community that I'm in but you know I think it makes me more creative more inspired more motivated 
Um, so, you know, that's why I do it. And then it helps then that, you know, I can speak the language within the industry, but I, you know, I continue to do it and it continues to play such a large role in my life for me mostly. Right. And then, you know, from there, you know, with the running event in my job, I can help grow the industry and, and do all of that. But, you know, running also, it's, it's a social thing for me. You know, I I love the community and it's it's how I've made most of my friends. You know, I you mentioned I'm in Seattle now. I was in New York for 14 years. Um, so you know, my group of friends out there, they're runners. And then in moving to Seattle, it's how I've made friends here. It's like, hey, you want to go for a run? And you just start talking about everything. So uh it's all intertwined, of course, but you know, I do think I continue to do it for me and and what it does for me and showing up in my life, if that makes sense. Yeah, totally. I love what you said about speak the language and how it can be relatable. I was running with Alexi Pappas this weekend, obviously a Greek Olympian, and we were talking about that exact concept, right? Like she's been to the Olympics and we speak the same language right? She's running a 10K on the track much faster than I could even fathom. But we're both familiar with the process and we're both familiar with how important it is to check the boxes on a daily basis. And we can all relate to each other based on that. And and I think that that's what's super cool that no matter what you're doing or what level you're at, we all can speak that same language from a, at least from a process standpoint. Absolutely. I, I love that. It was a fun fun run and big things from her head. Although um, at the time that this podcast airs, it will be clear what she what she has done. She, she's running Leadville this weekend. Oh my God. Um, yeah. So <laughs> a little different than 10K on the track. Yeah. Um, but back to the interaction of, of running and like being in it all the time. I, I'm also in it all the time. And sometimes I find a challenge in keeping it for myself or or a need to keep it for myself. Have you had that challenge? And and how do you do how do you do that when your day-to-day involves talking about running and you're talking with brands and athletes and influencers and all this stuff? It is a challenge sometimes. And it, you know, because yeah, even when it's like, who is Christina? You know, part of my identity is being a runner and part of my identity is working in the industry. And so, you know, do I need to keep them separate? Is it better if they're together? I'm I'm not sure, right? But I, you know, I think I like keeping it separate in the way that, you know, I'm still running for me. I, you know, I don't do anything with brands or, you know, even though I have those relationships, I keep that separate. Like I, I love running. I love the community, you know, and many of the in, in the run groups here, especially in Seattle, as I'm getting to know them, you know, they don't know my role in the industry, right? I'm just Christina who runs, right? And and I and I like that. So, you know, as I've gotten older and as I've worked in the industry longer, you know, it becomes more and more of my identity and those do intersect, which I think is great. You know, I think I'm still learning, you know what role each plays and and how they intersect. And so for those who aren't familiar, what do you do on the work side of things? Yes, yes. Who is Christina, the <laughs> the the employee? 
Yeah. So I am the event director for the running event, which is the trade show and conference for the running and outdoor specialty industry. So, you know, that's a lot of words. So I'll, you know, I can kind of break it down for, you know, what that means. And so on the trade show side of things, right? Um, the running event brings together all the brands in the space. So your your Brooks, your New Balance, your Saucony, you know, your those large footwear brands, as well as, you know, stock brands, apparel, technology, nutrition, you know, about 300 of them come together and they set up exhibits to show their current and future products. So on the attendee side, so the people who are walking the aisles of the running event are running store owners and buyers. So, you know, who that is is, you know, like if you're in New York, for example, that's Brooklyn Running Company. Um, if you're in Seattle, Super Jock and Jill, right? They're all over the country. And if, if you don't know, uh, you know, your local running store, uh, send me a message. I'd love to introduce you. But um, you know, they're walking the aisles of the trade show to find products that they'd like to sell in their store. So, you know, in addition to them, we have, you know, media as well as other industry professionals who are also walking the aisles to see what's up and coming in the industry. And then on the other side of that, we have a conference. So for those running stores that I mentioned, um, you know, they come from all over the world. We provide education. So at the heart of it, you know, these stores are small businesses. So we focus a lot on how to run a small business, hiring and retention, you know, marketing, like the latest um, trends in marketing and how to connect with their consumers, how to reach new consumers. So that is another big piece of the running event. Uh, as we look to support and strengthen the industry in all possible ways. And it's awesome. <laughs> I yeah, I was going to ask Jonathan, have you been? <laughs> yeah, I attended in 2019. It was the second to last, third to last thing I did prior to the pandemic. Fourth to last. Yeah, we packed a lot into <laughs> last <laughs> that few first weeks. quarter. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I was there in 2019. My experience there was uh, pretty fun. Um, I was there with a bunch of friends and walked the floor and, and, I was also impressed with the amount of activations happening around town. And so I thought I'd sort of frame this conversation in... So I think a lot of people like to know the nuts and bolts of how the running industry operates, or at least I do. So that's my curiosity in, in having this conversation. And, and so understanding... You know, the how does a shoe get into a run specialty store? And how does a new piece of gear and how does this happen? But I'm also obviously fascinated with the media landscape as someone who is a podcaster, um, social media, et cetera, but also on the brand side of things in my day job. And so I see it from from both sides and I've seen a massive evolution over the last year, but also like over my 10-year career. Um, it, it deeply involved in this space. So I'm going to set the stage with the question of what is going to be the... So I'm going to come this year. What's going to be different between 2019 and 2023? And the reason I think it's an interesting question is like, that's a whole pandemic <laughs> separating the, totally. the, the two attendances. So it's interesting. Uh, you know, with the pandemic in there, 
we've come out the other side stronger. So the during the pandemic, the running industry got stronger, right? More people decided to go running and they, you know, to find that peace and balance and just, you know, be outside. So the running industry got larger. More brands want to serve the running industry. So you will see brands you didn't see before. Um, Meaning non-running brands or, well, or running brands that weren't advertising in those space yet? Both, I think. So, you know, for example, you'll see more footwear brands that might have been comfort in the past. And now they are leaning, they're doing some performance-based footwear. Got it. Um, and so they want to be sold in run specialty. Similarly, on the apparel side, right? You know, Nike and Saucony, they've always had a, apparel and sold it in run specialty. But you'll see more of those athleisure type apparel brands at the running event uh, in hopes of being sold or finding success and being sold at in run specialty. I would hope that it will feel different in, you know, we have put a lot of focus the past couple of years in creating a more diverse and inclusive environment at the running event um, and challenging the running industry as a whole to do that. And, and we have some amazing partners who have supported us in that. But I hope and I would love to kind of follow up with you on, you know, how it feels, if it feels different to you, if it feels more inclusive, more inviting. Um, more energizing. In addition to that, you will see more outdoor brands. So brands that historically, you know, you'd consider in the outdoor space and not quite the running space. And, you know, in 2019, trail running was in the conversation and it was growing, but trail running has exploded. And that really has led the way in this crossover between the running and outdoor industry. So you'll see more of those brands at the running event as well, which is exciting. I could go on forever. So I can I can stop if you have any follow-up questions or thoughts. I, I have many. Um, the diversity and, and representation aspect of it is one that I've liked to focus on. Um, the podcast I released this past week was with my friend David Lamb. Um, Asian American. He was one of, I think, two people of color at Western States um, this past year, or a couple. Um, you could probably count that on one hand. And in that episode, he talked about being on the start line and being in the race and being in the coverage and being in front of people so that they could see him and people who look like him can see themselves in the race. I'm curious behind closed doors if you can talk about it. Like how how does a property like TRE seek to address those types of um, those types of topics? And I'm asking this question knowing that this is what's happening. I'm not you know putting you on the spot here. Um, so I, I'd love to know how how is that happening? Yeah, absolutely. You know and. I'll start by saying, you know, we are taking steps. We are looking to make progress. There's there's a lot more progress to happen. But as the running event, and you know, I'll back up by saying I've really challenged our team in looking at the running event, not just we're not just a trade show, right? You know, in in the most traditional sense, a trade show would just be 
a gathering place, right? You create the space, you invite Pretty insulated. The, yeah. Exactly, right? And and so I've really challenged our team to look at the running event as not just a trade show, right? We have an opportunity and the privilege... like The opportunity is probably the right... But I think uh, it's something we should do um, to be a thought leader in the industry, right? And lead by example. And so... I will really start by saying we would be we wouldn't be very far without um, an important partner of ours, which is the Running Industry Diversity Coalition. So we've partnered with them. We meet with them often as we look to find ways to help the industry, uh, support the industry as we look to diversify um, and create an inclusive environment. So you know, I think it's it's many steps. You know, you can look at it. How do we make the running event, you know, the gathering in Austin more inclusive and diverse? But, I, you know, we like we want to take it a step further. And, you know, what role can we play in making a more inclusive and diverse running industry? Right? And so in partnering with the RIDC, we, we're trying. So we're providing education around, you know, how to uh, do that in a retail environment. So with the running stores, you know, how to hire a more diverse staff, right? So as we look at, you know, people walking into a running store looking for shoes, are they seeing people who look like them? You know, are they, do they feel comfortable shopping in, in those stores? Um, so that's a piece of it. You know, it's, it's encouraging and challenging the brands, you know, to look at their employees, you know, do, are they diverse? Are, you know, do you have a diverse group? Um, working for you and, and do they have high up positions? Um, you know, and like from there, the hope is then, you know, those starting lines of races start to look different, right? You know, but it's like, can we get the brands there, the retailers there? And the running event wants to support that any way that we can. Alfie wants to say hello as well. Um, Hi, Alfie. <laughs> yeah, I think it's interesting the like double goal of the event, but also the follow-up from the event, right? And now you have people attending the event and broadcasting the whole thing, right? So people who spend the whole time Instagram living and posting to stories and and they see everything that's going on. And so multiply that by, you know, tens of thousands of followers. And whatever's happening on the ground is happening on the internet now as well. Is is that a component that's considered as well? Absolutely. You know, we you know just creating that representation. You know, for anyone tuning in and starting those, you know, pipeline doesn't seem like the right word, but you know, showing. People, I mean, that's what it is. Yeah, right. But showing people you can work at Brooks, you can work at wherever. You know, you can be, you can own a running store, right? Like just. Showing people that this is a space for them. Have you reviewed any of the data that? So, um, Myrna Valerio led a, a discussion for my company internally, and one of the things she presented was like a more diverse team actually achieves better results, like tangibly, <laughs> when when you when you use uh, revenue as a um, as a proxy for better results. How, how did you get buy-in to create change? Or how have you been attempting to get buy-in to create the change? 
This is a good question. You know, I really, I feel like I, we, the running event can't take a lot of credit here. You know, I really put a lot to the Running Industry Diversity Coalition in leading this charge and, you know, us partnering with them and giving them a platform to our already audience that we, that we have. Um, you know, I think many people, not all, I, you know, many people in the running industry saw this as the right thing to do and something that they wanted to do, but didn't know how, right? Like I can understand that my team in my store should be more diverse. How do I do that? Right. Yeah. And so then we wanted to provide them with tools and strategies for hiring that more diverse staff. And then you bring in that and, you know, I can't speak to the numbers exactly, but, you know, we had a couple education sessions at the running event that, you know, in doing this, to your point, it is good for business, right? And, you know, it's, it, it's the right thing and it will help your business. So let's, let's make it happen. <laughs> and you got to disrupt the people that are, uh, I think some of the challenges in trail running in particular is there's so much of the, this is how it has always been. So this is how it should be. Whether that's with like not having pacers at a race or like cash sign up only, or, you know, these like archaic things for 2023, let alone the aspect of like the, the starting line should not look like a bunch of white men in their, you know, forties and fifties. Um, so I, I think that that niche of the sport or that growing niche of the sport has has inherent challenges in the like, I don't really want to change, period, let alone this type of change. But I think it's happening, right? I think we're we're seeing it. We're seeing brands. I mean, look at what Hela Sidibe did with with Western States this year and how Hoka lifted that story and produced a ton of video around it that, you know, hundreds of thousands of people probably saw. And that was one person, but having an influence on that kind of scale at a race like that, that has a ripple effect. And so some of the conversations I've, I've been having with brands has been around, how do you... So, so for a race like Western States, maybe this is like some troubleshooting back and forth we can help each other on. So my hypothesis is that a race like Western States does not have enough high-level athletes who are people of color lining up for golden ticket races. And so the, the caliber of athletes who have a chance at getting a guaranteed entry to a race is tiny. So it's reliant on the lottery, which is... <laughs> use commentary here about about the lottery system. I mean, like kudos to Western states for implementing the the pregnancy deferral. That was long overdue and a wonderful addition. Um, but that's the least of the, you know, there are many challenges in that area that can still be rectified. Um, so my my hypothesis or a conversation I had with a brand recently was, okay, so the challenge is how do we promote the higher end athletes to want to run these races, want to do well at the races and then get to Western States and then have the ability to fly to Tahoe and spend $3,000 between airfare, food, rental car, all this stuff. Like there are so many hurdles in once you get into the race 
And it's hard enough to, to get to a place where you can get into the race, let alone go from there to the actual race. So I'm like, what is the move? Is the move here like funding and supporting a development program where it's finding people who are like, oh, maybe I'm going to be a high level half marathoner or I'm going to get into road running or something like that. And and inspiring them to try out trails and then and then enable the the development to get to a place where you can win a golden ticket race and then you get to you go to Texas or you go to Arizona or you go to New Zealand or or Thailand or like all the many options from UTMB like <laughs> there's so many hurdles in in that process and so I spoke with the shoe brand about this with the hypothesis that like let's remove the low hanging fruit of travel or I reached out to United Airlines and I was like, I want to get free flights for people who want to do this thing. And you claim to be interested in diversity. So put your money where your mouth is kind of a thing. And let's see what, what you think. And they were, they were interested. Really? So like, but it's like, you have to like spend so much time poking on the right places. And I, I sent literally 30 emails before I got two responses that were favorable. And then anyway, there, there's a lot there. I'm curious your thoughts on like that process or that that hypothesis. Well, you know, I think firstly, it's just trying, right? And to your point, it's like we can't keep doing things how we've always done them. And so I don't know that I have the right idea. I mean, this one sounds great and a good place to start. I think it's like, let's start trying and let's start like, you know, seeing what sticks and what works, you know, and and to see, I want to see the brands get behind something like that, right? And to really lean in, you know, to a development type program would be new and different. It would be a, a risk, right? But, you know, I think it it's a great place to start. If you're listening to this and have any like take that idea and run with it and or <laughs> reach out to me if you want to support it. Um, because I think I think the the concept of like there are financial barriers that should not be barriers. And those are barriers that can be removed by somebody funding it. And I think that the the visual representation is a big enough um I mean, like I'm a white guy talking to a white woman about this. Like, if you're not one of those two people and you have opinions on this, please message me and and I I want to workshop this idea because I think I think it's a way to go. But what do I know, right? Uh, I certainly acknowledge that. Um, but I think it has to be tried, right? Like the the dollar aspect should be removed in the creation of a, like a better visual representation of who is a runner, right? Like we should be able to make that change just by removing some some low-hanging fruit. And that would have downline impact of other people who are like, mm, no, this trail running thing's not really for me, who might have the means to get there. Right. Right. And I think it's you're touching on something, you know, that you know, I think you probably have said and I used to say of just like running is for everyone. Running is right. you know, and not and, really. No, yeah. and I you know, and I I have learned, you know, like it took some learning on my part, but that is not the case. And so, you know, and as someone who, you know, I was saying like running has changed my life tremendously for the better, I want that for everybody. Totally. Right. And I just exactly. like creating that opportunity. You know, just like that life-changing 
power of running. It sounds so, but I want everybody to have that. So, you know, all the ideas and trying new things to open that up and, and invite people in, I think is a great idea. If you've been enjoying this podcast and can spare 90 seconds of your time today, can you do me a favor? Can you pop over to Apple Podcasts and leave a review? It helps other people find and enjoy the podcast too. Thanks so much. We are proud to be sponsored by a local Boulder-based sports nutrition company that we all know and love, Scratch Labs. As you may know, last year I went to their facility here in Boulder and got a sweat test done. They were able to tell me how much salt I'm losing during a workout and recommend sports nutrition from there. Long story short, I'm a salty sweater and need to replenish perhaps more than the average person. But that's not all. About a year ago, I started working with sports dietitian Kylie Van Horn. Kylie is the owner of Fly Nutrition and a coach within Microcosm. I was having a lot of GI issues pre-run and during the run, so David, my coach, suggested I work on nutrition with Kylie. I switched my nutrition pre-run to purely liquid fueling, and while that didn't solve 100% of what I'd been dealing with, it sure has helped. Fast forward a year and more, and Scratch's products have helped kept me fueled and energized through plenty of strong workouts and long runs, as well as some big adventure days in the mountains. Their super high carb mix is exactly that. It's full of what you need and goes down super smooth. When you give your body what it needs, you'll truly enjoy it for the long run. You can grab energy bars, chews, hydration mix, recovery drink mix, and super high carb drink mixes for your big days from scratch to fuel your training and upcoming adventures. I use the lemon lime super high carb mix every single day. I use a half serving within an hour of all morning runs, and it's my main fuel source for road long runs. For trail adventures, I use a couple servings in my bottles and supplement that with the chews or other fun trail snacks. You can use the code FTLR20 for 20% off your order at the link in the show notes. Thanks again to Scratch for supporting the show. We're all constantly looking for ways to improve our performances. One thing we truly love about this community is our determination to always be getting better and go hard at whatever goals we may have. Our partners over at 2Before help us continue to grow and expand our athletic capabilities through their New Zealand blackcurrant berries. But John, how can berries from New Zealand help me improve my performance? I'm glad you asked, podcast listener. The thing that got me hooked was a meta-analysis I read of 16 studies on New Zealand blackcurrants that found a strong performance benefit with no negatives. Combining the blackcurrant powder with four to eight ounces of water or whatever liquid you prefer helps you increase your blood flow, make you more efficient for your body to pump that good oxygenated nutrient-rich blood into your muscles, improving your endurance. It also helps to reduce muscle soreness and helps manage inflammation. I've also been using it to help keep my immune system riding high with all the trails, roads, and plains that I'm on. Go on over to 2before.com to grab some for yourself with the code FTLR to save 30% on 20, 10, and multi-serve packs. Thanks again to the team over at 2before for supporting this community. That's 2before, number 2before.com. I completely agree. Um, yeah, the the concept of running is for everyone is like a over dramatized or like sensationalized statement that I used to say as well. Like it, yeah. I, that's what I thought was the case. And then you read more and learn more and meet more people. And like this conversation I had with David Lamb, he was like, "I'm first generation immigrant, and my parents were just trying to survive and like get me to school." to think that they were going to go for a run. Right. <laughs> we need my grandparents' help to to you know help us get out the door and he's like now I'm in a position where 
he can do what he wants on the weekends or in the mornings or evenings or whatever. He's like, this is a this is not how it was for for my family. Um, and so I think the conversation around that was super enlightening um, on a variety of different fronts. So yeah, I think like this kind of stuff is like it, it will take brands to create that change because someone's going to be like, wow, this idea is a great idea and then fund it. And then it's not going to be like, oh, you're wearing Hoka shoes, or you're wearing Puma shoes. So you're blah, 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 blah. It's like, you have the association of this is what this brand stands for and cares about. I want to be a part of that. Yeah. And and that's how it links back to, it makes financial sense. And it's crazy that we have to think about things in this way versus, as you said, like it's the right thing to do for society. But like the calculus is it's a lot of money to spend on something and it could be spent here, it could be spent there. And so if the calculus is we're going to spend $10 million on this initiative and it's going to yield $30 million in revenue, regardless of what it is, it makes sense to do. My hypothesis is that like something like this, if done at scale, if done for the right reasons, also including monetary, um, it will have that kind of impact. But that's a huge gamble. And we're starting to see it in certain spaces, certain brands, but I, I still don't think any brand has truly put their money where their mouth is in this conversation. Um, and again, if you're listening and you disagree, please inform me. But um, I think I still think there's a lot of, of work to be done in that space. Absolutely. I mean, I do think brands are trying. And, you know, some are, and there's work to be done. But yeah, no, I'll stop there. Work to be done. I think, I think. Brands are trying, you know, I love at the running event, you know, we we have this very unique opportunity where it, you know, and that's what I was saying about, you know, kind of being that thought leader, you know, for some of these brands who maybe haven't thought about it or don't see it as something they should be doing. You know, we want to lead by example. We want to elevate the brands who are doing that and tell their stories. What are you doing? You know, why is this good for the industry? You know, we have that unique opportunity where everyone's under one roof, right? And so it's like, oh gosh, like we want to pack a lot into those four days of, you know, conversation and change and and then an action, right? So, you know, you can get everyone together, but then what happens when we leave, right? And so it's those actionable items as well. Totally. Um, another topic that's near and dear to my heart is the evolution of the creator in running and the influencer, um, which... So my career background, I've worked at Inside Tracker since 2014. I worked at a company called Energy Bits before that, uh, from 2012 to 2014, where we grew a brand ambassador program beginning in 2012. <laughs> and it was novel at the time. Yeah, and I was like, going to say, tremendous, early days. Yeah, tremendously impactful. And I was just like a dude out of college who was like, hey, I think this is a great way to create a community around a product and get people excited. And why not try it, right? And so I wasn't aware of any other brands doing anything like that. And it worked tremendously in 2012 and 13, 14, etc. Um, and then we saw the evolution of brand ambassadors and we saw you know, programs like Noon and many others I was a part of as well. 
And then we're here in this climate where everyone has a podcast. I saw a, a newsletter from a Trail Mix that was like, not everyone needs to be a shoe reviewer. Here I am having just kicked off a shoe review. Um, if you can see behind me, there are like oh, yeah. 25 pairs of shoes. That's like half of what I have in my house. Um, and so the market is pretty saturated, but I don't, I don't know that it's oversaturated. I think it's just oversaturated with low quality, which yields a ton of options. And so with options, the quality sifts to, you know, you follow what you're interested in and you follow quality or maybe not. But I'm curious, you're, as someone who's in the space and driving thought leadership in the space, how does, uh, again, how does a property like TRE engage with and benefit, not benefit from, but um, plan for this type of media landscape? It's a good question. And, you know, I'll be honest with you, it wasn't until a few years ago that we really put focus on this. And, you know, I would say that we are still learning how to engage with the creator side. You know, we are putting a focus on media and, you know, having them at the running event, creating a good experience for them. But you know, that true influencer creator, we're still we're still learning. Um, but to your point about, you know, are there too many? You know, what does that look like? I, you know, I'm kind of with you. I don't think so. I think the more the merrier. Let's reach, you know, those new consumers, you know, from, from everywhere, right? To to grow the sport. You know, to take it a step further, I think, you know, the running event, our core audience has always been a run specialty retailer, right? And so, and this is my personal thought here, but I think... Opinions are my own and do not reflect those of my employer. Right. Not always, you know, <laughs> but like, you know, just like, yeah. yeah, yeah. So yeah. this isn't something that the running event has like stated, but you know, yeah. that's kind of how I approach it. But, you know, I, I think of run specialty retailers as influencers in their community. I think they are some of the biggest influencers, right? Totally. So like they have been our focus and you know they are going to influence what the people in their communities are buying more than anyone right and so well maybe maybe not but with some right like if they're buying from a running store so yeah like a heartbreak hill running company or or something like that yeah right. the loop yes right exactly you know you you go in and you know if the person who's selling it believes in the product you might also believe in it as well. So, you know, you also have that side of things. So I think we, you know, we want to serve the industry as best we can. And, you know, learning how influencers and content creators do that. I think you all play such a critical role in reaching the masses and and, you know, reaching someone that may otherwise not care or not know. Uh, which is very exciting. And, you know, bringing in humor and, you know, the product review, it's it's an ever-changing landscape that I think is very exciting. Totally. It's definitely an ever-changing landscape. Um, we share the same thoughts on the volume of creators and whatnot. Um, the reason I launched my podcast was a conversation between Billy Yang and Mario Frioli that I listened to in December of 2018. And they were talking about how there were so many podcasts at that time. And I think it was Billy said, iron sharpens iron and it makes all of us better. And 
Billy, please bring your podcast back. That is the best podcast I've ever listened to. Um, and honestly, like how I try to steer conversation, right? That podcast, the Billy Yang podcast was so raw and authentic. Um, and that's the piece that I feel like is missing in today's creator landscape or, or podcast. There's so many like race recaps or race previews. I feel like that is incredibly saturated. Um, but my goal with this one is to steer complete clear of that. It's clear that people are interested in that kind of stuff. Otherwise, there wouldn't be so many of them. Um, and they wouldn't, you know, they wouldn't still be growing. But um, that's not what I'm, that's not what I'm interested in. But um, anyway, plead to Billy, please bring it back. Um, and he was at TRE in 2019 as well. Jonathan, what would you say is your top goal with the podcast? So I was talking with my friend Marquise about this while we were recording. So this this episode will be airing after that episode. So go back, Marquise Bowden, listen to that one. He's amazing, like rock of the Boulder running community, particularly on the roads. Um, when I started the podcast, the goal was, or what I thought I was having conversations with really interesting people and I thought it was my responsibility to teach and to take those conversations and be like, this is what you should learn from these people. And basically like use the podcast as a meta-analysis of elite sport. And there's there's some aspect of that. And episode 200 was with, or 250, I can't remember, was with Brad Stolberg. And I angled that one or I positioned that one as I have spoken to 200 plus very elite athletes and I have some thoughts and opinions on everything that I've summarized in my brain. Um, who better to bounce this off of than Brad, who literally wrote the book on peak performance. Um, so that that was an interesting conversation. But the realization that I had with Marquise as he was talking was the podcast is not here to teach. It's here to make connections and make people feel or help people feel that whatever the hell they're going through, they're not alone in it. And, and that there are plenty of people that are going through hard things and let's tell those stories. And so I feel that by speaking with professional elite athletes, I'm not interested in what happened when you crossed, like, what, what did it feel like to cross the, the, I said this to Gwen Jorgensen. I was like, I'm not interested in, when you cross the the finish line to win an Olympic gold medal, I'm interested in what happened next. And then what? And then what? And then what? And talk to me about all these hard things that that happen and how you got through it, right? Because I find professional athletes to be exceptional. The athletic side is like, they're genetically gifted and they're really good at consistency, but it's the it's the long-term consistency that I find to be aspirational. And anyone can be excellent at anything if they're consistent for the long run. Um, and I want to unpack how people become consistent for the long run. To me, that's what's super interesting. And that's where we can learn and we can grow and we can resonate with other people's stories because these stories are not linear trajectories. They're not like, they're not going up and up and up. They're a roller coaster that is spiraling upwards in a best case scenario. And if it were straight up or straight down, you'd, you'd be desensitized and you'd be bored 
and you'd give up and quit because we crave that sensation of something different, right? Right. And and so to me, the the ultimate goal of the podcast is not what is what is it like to be on this corkscrew going up, but it's like what is it like to be coming out of each corkscrew and and raising your ceiling each time and each time and each time. And you've been nodding for so long. I feel like you have something to say. Well, no, I just, I agree with you. And, you know, I, you know, that connection piece, right? Like, like you were saying, like these professional athletes, they are amazing. And I'm like, wow, like you ran that marathon so fast, right? But then to hear someone talk about the tough days, right? And for me to be able to say like, oh, wow, you too, right? Like, it's that relatable piece, right? And it's, you know, and, and just listening to you talk about your podcast and, you know, those connections and, you know, the, how we can, yeah, connect on challenges and, and goals. It's, it's similar when I think about the running event of just, you know, I, I so believe in bringing people together for a place for these types of conversations, right? Like it's, it's such a special environment where you have, you know, I'm going to talk, you know, running retailers, but like, you know, an owner of a running store in Virginia, you know, meets a a running store owner in Oklahoma. And it's like, Oh, you face that too. Like, Oh, you know, you, you're aspiring for the same thing as me. Like, let's talk about it. Let's share best practices. Right. So like the, the bringing people together, the connections, that's what inspires me. And it sounds like you too. So I, yeah. yeah, I just think it's it's cool. How did you get into this role? So people ask me this all the time and it, it's it was luck, truly. <laughs> so uh, the running event was... I think stuck. anything that's luck is like right place, right time with the right experience. To- totally, right? Right place, right time had, you know, it really just kind of fit my background. But the running event was started by four people in New York City. And they saw an opportunity, they saw an industry that needed support. And so they launched the running event. I came on, they were looking for help. Um, it was nine years ago. This will be my ninth TRE. And so I started doing you know, the administrative work, just like helping them. And so you know, over the years, got to learn the industry... And then that, you know, that company, that small company sold the running event to another company in 2018. And uh, I went with it. So at that time, I became the director of the event, um, probably earlier than I thought I was ready for. But it, you know, it kind of just forced me in and grew into it. Yeah, I got to learn and, you know, try new things. And I'm so grateful for, for all of it. Yeah, there's something about being thrown into the fire and it's like, you'll kind of figure it out. Totally. Right. And and you know, and if you don't, if you don't know, like let's let's figure out the solution together, right? You know, I don't have all the answers. Let's, you know, we've you know, we've always done it that way, but let's figure out a way we can do it better, right? You know, how can we create a better experience for our attendees? So, you know, that has been so fun and so important to me over the years. Cool. So let's say someone is listening and they're not one of the three people left in the running world who are not um, a creator, athlete. I'm just kidding. <laughs> let's, say <that> <laughs> um, let's say that they're not you know, directly involved in the business of, of running. Is there a space for them at the running event? Is there a desire to create a more consumer 
facing experience? This has been discussed. Of course. Uh, as of now, the running event is an industry event to keep that focus on business um, and really focusing in on you know those retailers, the brands, you know how we can better serve consumers, right? So at this point, no, but you never know <laughs> what the future holds. So uh, yeah, I'll, I'll stop there. Sounds like a stay tuned. <laughs> Yeah, you know, stay tuned. Exactly. Yes. Um, cool. Well, this has been a blast. My, I guess my last question is maybe not an easy one as well, but what are, what are some of the challenges you see that we haven't talked about in the running space? Good question. You know, I think the constant change is hard, right? So on the retail side, it's, you know, most of our attendees were brick and mortar stores and you know now most of them have e-commerce as part of their business but it's like staying up to date to best serve your consumer right so so what does that look like um you know i think there are a lot you know we've talked about the diversity and inclusion piece you know how are we going to reach that younger generation in the running industry there has been Reports of you know the younger generation not wanting to race and more wanting to just run. And so what does that mean and, and how do we support that or react to it? You know, I, I don't well, know. Let alone, let alone like the the not race, like the lack of activity right. pandemic. Yeah. Is is that something that that's discussed? It is, you know, there's this big, there's a shift and, you know, I've started to try to change my language in saying running and it's, it's inviting people to move, right? So into a, into movement because running can be super intimidating and I'm not a runner, right? Like even as someone who has run my whole life and I can still be, oh, I'm not like a runner runner, right? And that's silly, right? Like have you run marathons? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like, but you know, that's Isn't kind of, it ridiculous? It's so ridiculous. You know, and so it is something that I try to I am a runner, but you know, not everyone needs to be a runner. You know, I want us to create an inclusive place for movement, for for walking, hiking, getting outside, moving our bodies, right? Like, and not create this kind of exclusive, like purist running, right? I, totally. I think that's a good challenge for the industry and, and something I think we're working toward. But I, I do think just continuing to invite all bodies, all people in um, because we all want them... We want everyone to experience what we've talked about, the the joy and you know what moving your body can do. Totally. I posted on LinkedIn yesterday about... I was putting the final finishing touches on a video that uh, Puma helped to produce around a mile race here in Boulder where I tried to break five. Um, and my conclusion was like, why do we do hard things? We do hard things because it's this safe sandbox where like if I, if I go out too fast in an attempt to break five or if I blow up in a marathon, like, at the end of the world, like it doesn't matter. But when we do it and we commit to the process, we learn a lot about our ability to improve and better on ourselves and this and that. And 
So it was fascinating having this conversation with Alexi on our run and with a bunch of other high-level athletes who have gotten really good at doing really hard things. And so my like version of this discussion angled to LinkedIn, like know your audience, was basically saying like, as you head into this new week, think about these hard things that you've been doing or a project that seems out of reach. Think about how you can work backwards, check the boxes on a daily basis. Like as runners, these are things we're quite familiar with doing if we've ever signed up for a marathon. Or the first time you signed up for a marathon, you couldn't run a marathon on that day that you signed up, most likely. But you did something in order to improve enough to do something you've never done before. And so my my call to action on the on the post was if you're a runner, sign up for something you've never done before. And if you're not a runner, but intrigued by what it can help unlock in other areas of life, send me a message. And because that's the point, right? Like movement, running, whatever, however you choose to to define it, whether it's hiking or trail walking or whatever, this like optional discomfort to me, I find so valuable. And as you said earlier, I want everyone to experience their own version of this. And everyone should be able to experience their own version of this. But there are a bunch of roadblocks, whether it's mental, whether it's physical, or whether it's financial uh, or something else that keep a lot of people from experiencing it. And as Dylan Bowman says all the time, like trail running will save the world. It's hyperbole, but also not. Like if everyone committed to a process like running, the the overall vibe of, of Earth would change dramatically. So much. Yeah, totally. Um, Christina, this has been a blast. I am excited to share this one, hear a lot of feedback, hopefully um, mostly good. And um, we'll have to get Terry Blacks or something in Austin. <laughs> Definitely. Yes. I look forward to it. Jonathan, I have one more question. Is it your birthday? Uh, Tomorrow is my birthday. Oh, well, happy birthday. Happy early birthday. Thank you. Uh, This has been a blast. Um, And yeah, thanks for all you do. Thanks for all the the cool stuff you're you're doing to make the the running space better and more welcoming for a lot of people and and also connecting. Um, I think the world needs more of this like the people who bring people together and and see life and the world with uh, an abundance mentality versus scarcity and and just like yeah if you get this and you get this and you connect this like everyone wins right so let's let's do more of that so thank uh, you i'm in i'm in thanks jonathan yeah i look forward to seeing you in austin awesome thanks so much and we'll see you out there all right bye That's it for today's episode. Like many long runs, it's sad when it has to end. I hope you join in next time on For the Long Run. And in the meantime, happy trails. If you enjoyed this episode, it would mean a lot to me if you shared it so that others can find it and enjoy it too. This podcast and the accompanying music has been produced by Brian Walters of Single Track Sound. For the Long Run's logo is created by Vanessa Wolf of Sterling Wolf. Show notes have been written by Ruby Wiles and is managed by Emily Holland. It takes a village. 